Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Alright, let me go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on everybody? It's your boy A-Double and you're now tuned into episode 198 of Do-Rags and Boat Shoes. Much love and respect to everybody out there who's been checking in on me, um, just seeing what is up and what's going on. So here's another episode for y'all and uh, main thing that is going on with me is, uh, you know, had another kid. So uh, Miss uh, Francis, that's her name. Francis was born and we calling her Frankie she was born on 7-7 so uh yeah so just been you know dealing with that a few late nights uh early mornings but you know it is what it is uh, we're some seasoned vets so right now I'm uh Nina's right hand man and uh you know Frankie's uh is you know just tied to her mom on the hip so we just been kind of you know tag teaming it like that and uh yeah she was um shit she we went in for an induction on the 6th and um most difficult part about it my wife's health health was great and everything blood pressure was great just everything looked good um so there wasn't any hiccups um we only had like one slight hiccup and that was the the placement of the epidural so she had to get another one which kind of sucked but other than that it was smooth like um shit pretty much we were in the uh labor and delivery for shit what were we there for the sixth and then um you know we started you know they started doing the induction process and things of that sort um we had this nurse and she was she was cool she was a good nurse but she did a lot of nervous babble you know how people can't deal with um with like silence and shit like that they always have to fill you know the silence in with just chatter and just you know small jokes it was it was the worst it was the worst but anyways um so they were having some issues trying to find the baby's heartbeat because she kept moving out of place so you know uh, my wife felt her in there so we weren't worried about that you know like health wise it was just her just being bad you know just swimming around just moving you know left and right up and down you know they kept on placing it you know how they because when they're doing the induction they have to monitor the heart rate and so <laughs> you know one they would have it on the left side of my wife's uh, tummy then it would be on the right side then it would be high then it would be low and uh all they was getting so goddamn frustrated with francis and it was just the funniest thing but um yeah when it was time to push it was i think it was just four pushes and boom she was out here in the world so um yeah and uh francis just she came out um she was healthy um she was six pounds 13 ounces so she was a little bit smaller than nina nina uh was right at seven pounds 
And then we just had her three week slash month checkup and she's gaining weight and she's well over seven pounds now, almost eight pounds. So, you know, breast milk is doing her good. And um, yeah, so she's she's getting better as far as sleeping at night and um, which is a blessing. So we'll probably we usually I put Nina down for bed. We start doing like, you know, story time and bedtime stories and things like that, like around 715, 730. Then, you know, Nina's, you know, dozing off by eight o'clock, you know, so, you know, how little kids are, they got to jump on the bed, run up and down the hallways and, you know what I'm saying, be defiant. So I just, you know, I just play around with her until she get all that energy up out of her. And then it's time for us to read a story and go night night. And so she's down at eight and then, you know, uh, Francis will be kicking it with us. You know, we'll watch a couple of shows or something like that or you know, just shoot the breeze or catch a movie. Then about 10 o'clock, we go into bed. But, you know, we feed her right before bed. Well, my wife feeds her right before bed. And then she won't wake up again until like 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, 2, 2.30, sometimes 3. And then my wife will feed her. And then she's back. You know, they back to sleep. And, you know, I'm up probably a little bit, a little bit before 7, about 6.50, 6.45. And I'm um, just laying there doing what you ain't supposed to do, you know, looking at my phone. And then my alarm goes off, you know, 7.15. And then I get in the shower, get ready, get Nina ready for school. Um, she goes to an early learning uh, center. And it's like she's been in there since she was six months. And I'm telling you, just the the strides and the conversations and just her identifying colors, numbers, letters, just taking turns sharing dealing with conflict i mean they they're really giving her tools like we work with her on that stuff at home but <clears throat> just some of the stuff just blows me away it was like uh, a few months ago we were outside playing and uh we were playing baseball and you know she has a little t-ball and stuff she's only two and so we're outside playing t-ball and uh my wife hits it or I hit it and it goes far and uh, Nina misses it. And then uh, my wife is like, she's like, Nina, you get an A for effort. And this girl scrounged up her little brow, looked at looked at my wife, looked at her mom and said, no, mommy, A is for Apple. I was like, oh, I could have fell out right then and there. I was like, oh, this little girl's a genius. <laughs> and you couldn't argue with her back, you know, because you're just like, oh, OK. And I, yeah, it's crazy. And so you know uh so that's just amazing so yeah i get her up get her ready and then uh you know frankie is still sleeping and they're up usually a little bit after eight and it's it's nice it ain't one of them constants constantly being up constantly you know feeding and cluster feeding and things like that so it's been going real smoothly um she's a great baby real chill um real laid back she ain't fussy or nothing like that you know as long as she's fed she's like shit i'm gonna kick it with y'all you know what y'all doing so um you know she's starting to babble um lifting her head up we're doing tummy time and things like that but going back to the hospital we were out the hospital but on the 8th like the afternoon of the 8th we was there we went in at eight o'clock on um on the 6th and then we were out by like four o'clock on the eighth it was crazy because like my wife and francis and frankie um they were just hitting like all their numbers as far as being cleared to leave and it was crazy because when we had nina and i told y'all the story we was there for a whole week 
and that sucked i think we went in we went in monday at midnight so technically tuesday and we didn't leave until like saturday afternoon it just sucked it was terrible and you know how with babies they already have a little bit of jaundice so they have to do these billy rubin tests where they test their blood and stuff like that but you know um frankie knocked that shit out the park and you know my wife's blood pressure was great no no issues with her she was feeling good feeling great and so yeah we got the fuck on up out of there we were there literally two nights like we was there at the sixth and the seventh and then uh the morning of the eighth you know we were in um the, the postpartum rooms and stuff and it was just you know by that by by what was it by four o'clock we were starting the checkout process and shit we was home you know by before six o'clock so shit it was cool so it's been cool so far um the wife is in high spirits there's you know no, no postpartum depression has set in or anything like that you know she's in good spirit she's upstairs right now you know watching big brother and you know eating some eating some cheese some some meats and some some pretzels and she got a glass of wine so yeah she's living her best life so um yeah so everything's smooth everything's good so yeah nothing but love uh from all of y'all out there who was checking on me and shit like that but yeah baby francis is here so nice and strong big healthy girl uh tall she gonna be about to be tall like her sister because me and my wife you know we some tall lanky folks you know long arms long legs my daughter she's she's just two she turned two back in march and this little girl is already wearing 4t pajamas i'm just like god damn so you know these kids gonna be big for their age so but it is what it is i'd rather them be big for their age than small for their age you know what i'm saying so it'll help with the you know with the school bullying and shit like that and you know having that intimidation factor if somebody try to bring that smoke to my baby girls so um let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen there's been so much going going on so much going on uh well the first things first let's start on a little lighthearted note did y'all see what happened on the weather channel so when they were doing the local on the eights or whatever i guess when it came to the iowa portion it said hello des moines uh, this weather is for my niggas, but uh, it was N I G G E hard R S. So you know somebody white was doing that shit. So they offered an apology about that. But I would have been shocked just seeing that on the screen though. And uh, yeah, it said hello Des Moines. This is your weather, my niggas. And I'm just like, come on, man. And so somebody, a spokesperson, said that this did not originate with us. We're in the process of investigating it further i'm just like okay all right like for real and so people saying that it came from the cable provider um and they said the weather channel you know has computer units at cable head ends um to produce local on the eights and a roll cable employee must have messed with the files and caused it to say that and so yeah then they came out the uh, Weather Channel Cable Network's uh, presentation in Des Moines uh, basically was saying that we removed the graphic as soon as we learned of it. This did not originate with us. We're in the process of investigating further and we apologize to our viewers. I mean, if I would have saw that, you know, I would have screenshotted and just, um, you know, I would have been out here and just, you know, I would have sued, you know, emotional distress. Me seeing that my TV calling me a nigga, like, damn, I can't even escape racism in my own home. You know, here I am just trying to catch the weather. And it's just like, oh, here's the weather, my nigga. Like, what? 
and I'll pay for this like this is a cable channel that I'm paying for and it's just gonna call me the n-word huh oh I would have been up here I've been on the TV crying I would have been on there crying boo-hooing I would have had Nina right next to me I would have pinched the back of her neck you know and had her just crying and boo-hooing and you know she don't she can't even read but she gonna be up there crying with me and I'm just like you know this is a travesty I just I I called in to work I mean I just I've been I burned through all my sick days my vacation time because my you know my cable provider wanted to call me the n-word i cannot believe it i cannot believe this at all and i need over 25 million dollars okay and speaking of 25 million dollars um have y'all been following what's been going on with uh sesame place so this this was what just a few days ago uh when they were showing that uh video of rosita somebody dressed as rosita uh she was waving off little black girls you know she was going around high-fiving and hugging little white boys and girls and then as soon as she came up on these black kids she was just she just waved them off and just kept it pushing and then you just like damn maybe that's a one-off situation you know what i'm saying it was like nope they showed instances with uh ernie like black folks was coming out the woodworks with this shit they like oh nigga i got a video too and then somebody was like oh you got a video i got a picture and a video then other folks it, and it's just like i guess this is just, um something that happens all the time at sesame place and i think this is in philly or some shit or some part of pennsylvania and i'm just like god damn yes yeah, in philly it's a philadelphia theme park and yeah so this happened just a few days ago and first that i think one of them that first family with the rosita incident um I think they were they were coming out talking about they need an apology uh, and they need to pay for the girls um, like psychiatry bills or mental health bills or whatever. And I'm just like, nigga, you need to just go after that bag. Like you don't like you don't need an apology. Get a big bag and then you know you could fuck around and have them little girls having their own segment on Sesame Street. You know what I'm saying? So with this whole sesame place um discrimination thing it's just i'm like who the fuck they got in them costumes though like i don't care how you try to spin it talking about like oh the costume is hot they can't see blah 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 like it's blatant with like it's like every single like after that first rosita thing came out and and then it was just like it was like a seed was planted and then other black folks like oh shit i got a video too i got pictures you know i got a video i got a three minute long video and it's just them these people dressed as characters just skipping over these black kids and then people are like oh well what ain't where at the end of the line it's like no nigga they was at the beginning you know some of them were in the middle and it's just blatant and so what we're looking at now is um uh, a father and a daughter from Baltimore, they filed a class action lawsuit Wednesday in Philly against uh, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, which operates that Sesame Place. And um, yeah, it's just uh, the complaint alleges that the characters at the Sesame Street theme park refuse to engage with their family and all other black guests in attendance. And that's right. That's true. And so uh, the let's see the plaintiffs are listed as quentin barnes and kb 
and uh, collectively as the Burnses, and they're seeking compensatory, actual, punitive, and statutory damages, including interest exceeding $25 million. And so, let's see here. Um, theme park performers dressed as Sesame Street characters, including Elmo, Ernie, Telemont, uh, Telly, uh, Abby Cadabby, um, have committed pervasive and appalling racial discrimination against children and operations of Sesame Place Philadelphia. And I mean, man, it's just, and I, this is what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see no shit where they're like, we need an apology and blah, blah, blah. Like Sesame Street came out and apologized or Sesame Place, they put like some vague apology out. And what's ironic about this is Sesame Street was started as far as to give confidence into uh, little black children like if you go on hbo max right now go watch that very first episode of sesame street and i think that's from what the early 70s either late 60s or early 70s yeah and it's just talking about uh, it actually talks about racial discrimination and things of that sort. so this is just very ironic and sesame street has always been about you know inclusion diversity and loving yourself and things of that sort and accepting people of all walks of life so um yeah so i want to see these folks all get paid that's what i want to see and then i want to see them uh cutting the album with elmo and i want to see all them little black girls and them black boys i want to see all them on an episode of sesame street that's what i that's what i really want to see that's just (coughs) excuse me that's just wild as fuck but I mean, it was crazy just how many videos you saw. And uh, they were trying to spin it, like, especially like that first one they got it popping was that Rosita one. And they were talking about Rosita, you know, did not intentionally ignore the girls and is, is devastated about the misunderstanding. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And so, um, Sesame Workshop, that was the organization behind Sesame Street. They issued an apology. And talking about they're going to do some bias training and shit like that. And it's just like, nah, they about to get that bag. Like they about to get broke off properly. And I am all for it. Like that first, uh, like, um, not lawsuit, but that first, um, uh, press conference with, I think these were the people for the Rosita incident who really initially got it popping talking about they wanted them to pay for, uh, you know, the mental health, um, repairs and you know psychiatry and shit like that i'm like nigga y'all need to be going after a bag so i'm glad that somebody filed a class action suit because uh i guess this been going on for far too long you know probably what happened was like you know all these parents who filmed this shit was probably just thinking oh it's just a one-off thing and then when that first one came it was like oh shit okay this has been going on so yeah they need to get whoever in them costumes on up out the paint for real Cause that's some crazy shit right there and then speaking of crazy shit uh the oracle of omaha he's in some hot water so he owns trident mortgage company and that's a division of berkshire hathaway uh which is uh, the conglomerate that uh you know warren buffett owns so this trident mortgage place has been uh discriminatory have been doing discriminatory discriminatory practices against black folks excuse me in philly new jersey and delaware and so the doj investigated this and this is going to be the second largest redlining settlement in history so basically as part of this agreement the doj and uh the cfpb uh concluded that trident will have to set aside 
$20 million to make loans in underserved neighborhoods. I'm like, nigga, fuck that. Fuck a loan. That shit should be grants. That should be $20 million in grants. Not loans, grants in underserved neighborhoods. And more specifically, to them black families that was catching hell. And so what they were saying is... um, this trident mortgage company they avoided writing mortgages in minority majority neighborhoods in west philadelphia camden new jersey and women wilmington delaware and so the consumer financial uh protection bureau and the doj got together and they got on trident's ass and then it was saying that uh employees of trident uh stopped mortgages uh which stopped writing mortgages in 2020 um, they made racist comments about loans to black home buyers, um, calling certain neighborhoods ghettos. And then one manager of Trident was photographed in front of a Confederate flag. And I don't know, man. Let's see here. Uh, Kristen Clark is the uh, assistant attorney general of the Justice Department. And she was saying that Trident's unlawful redlining activity deny communities of color equal access to residential mortgages strip them of the opportunity to build wealth and develop the properties in their neighborhoods and um it's just crazy how we're still seeing this shit but if y'all remember just a few years ago i was telling y'all about how um goddamn wells fargo was doing the same shit but this is with uh with their home loans they were basically giving black folks and hispanics um higher interest rates even if they had uh better jobs and better credit than their white counterparts so yeah so we're still just dealing with this issues because one of the quickest ways or surefire ways to build wealth in america is to be a homeowner you know what i'm saying so uh damn like for real like it's one of those things where and then they had said about the uh, manager being in front of the confederate flag and you look at this shit and you're just like yo like these people this is when you talk about racism is a system it's systemic like it's a whole ass system like like there's bigots there like racism is prejudice plus power and we keep on playing this dumbass game us non-white folks um not all of us but we want to call it something else we want to you know try to say it something different when it's just nothing but racism white supremacy it's the whole it's a whole system like you're looking at somebody who's impacting your housing right now right deliberately redlining you know what i'm saying to keep you from obtaining the american dream you know of having a great job, having a great home, having a family and, you know, building wealth and building your own little empire, you know, and putting respect on your last name. So this this is just another example of this being systemic. Like you have these people placed in positions of power who can determine literally where you live. You know what I'm saying? They can determine where you live, where you work, where you play. So, I mean, I don't know what, what more I have to tell a motherfucker, but that's just, it is what it is. That's what we mean when 
you say racism, white supremacy is a system. And I mean, Nelly Fuller broke that down and has been breaking it down so beautifully and so plainly in black and white. But we still want to play this game and start calling it something else. And, you know, if it's in a different branch, if it's under economics and things like that, oh, it's capitalism. You know, if it's under that, if it's under education, it's, you know, uh, it's we, we blame the government. Oh, it's the government. It's the no, it's the bad policies and shit like that. Well, those bad policies impact black folks the most. You know, and, and other non-white groups. So it's like, you know, we do like, like I said, with economics, with education, entertainment, you know, is, you know, with entertainment is just like, oh, you know, white folks don't want to listen to this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, when some white person comes out and does some black sound and shit and it just sails through the roof, it's just like, oh, they got the machine behind them and shit like that. No, nah, nigga, it's racism. Like, you could have put out the same album and you wouldn't have got that. It wouldn't have cooked like that. Like, it's the Elvis effect. Like, nigga, it's just blatant racism. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, economics, education, entertainment, labor, we say, and then that ties into economics. We're like, oh, it's just a capitalistic society. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the elites and all this other shit. Nigga, it's a whole system against your ass, you know? The elites got these white folks thinking that they're part of the elitist system and shit like that a group of elitists so i mean you just keep on going through those nine areas of people activity and we keep on putting these silly names on it when at the end of the day it's just racism white supremacy that's all that it is and that just goes all the way back to was that bacon's rebellion back in what was that was that the 1700s or the 1800s what whenever it was that's when poor white folks indentured servants and enslaved black folks were teaming up and was about to get on the necks of the so-called white elites and then the white folks was like the so-called white elites were like oh shit okay we can't have this we can't have poor white folks and poor black folks teaming up on us so we need to figure some shit out and it's like oh white man you just like me you know you ain't got what i got but you're pretty close so if y'all looked at a bacon's rebellion that's how all this shit starts that's how the system starts right then and there all right but um let's see what else is going on on this good old summer damn jam screen screen uh screen so i saw the movie nope so if y'all don't want to hear this uh then i guess y'all can just fast forward I always put the time stamps on um on the uh, notes so you got to look at the show notes but i did go and see nope how me and the wife did it because i'm on paternity leave so basically she went in the morning on we did the five dollar tuesday deal while uh nini was at school and so i stayed with francis and then when she got back home i went in the afternoon and watched it so i told her don't say nothing to me you know when you get home i don't want to hear it and so because we couldn't we're not gonna be them assholes like some people who bring a fucking baby into the movie theaters there's so many times i can i love movies so through my lifetime i can remember when people bring super small kids or actual babies like bringing the car seat in there into the theater and the baby start crying and then it just gets awkward and because you don't want to be that rude motherfucker like hey man get the fuck get your fucking kid get your fucking child you know you don't want to be that asshole and then the, the mom or the dad you know they're like excuse me excuse me excuse me with a baby crying and it's in the middle of an important scene or some shit but um yeah so we didn't want to be those people and we won't be those people because we respect you know 
everything because we were thinking hey i wouldn't i don't want that done to me so i'm not gonna do that to anybody else you don't want to be them type of dicks so yeah and uh you know what people were slamming that movie um left and right like on twitter and shit like i i i uh muted nope so i missed out on a lot of tweets and shit like that but going back and unmuting and reading different theories and people reviews and shit like that people didn't like it but it was a fun movie it was literally it was a fun movie i will say that it was a fun movie it wasn't um it didn't make you think as much as us um or get out it wasn't as intense as get out um, but it was still was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. So it was basically about this family, a father and his son and his daughter, family of three. And they ran a, a horse farm and those horses were uh, put on um, like they used them in film and things like that. And uh, so they rented them out to uh, Hollywood, you know, for movies and for commercials and shit like that. And what's funny is um so the dad dies at the beginning like the nickel just right through his eye just just falls from the sky and uh kills him right then and there and so the son has to take over who was uh it was a daniel kalua and uh sister kiki palmer she was amazing and she's not nominated for any kind of sag awards or an oscar or some shit they smoking dope because it was a it's a great fun movie it's a it's a fun thriller so so i'm just i'm not gonna get like deep deep into it but so so now they're trying to you know save the farm and uh get these horses you know rent it out to different uh you know uh, like commercials uh, movies and things like that and then you have uh steve yoon uh old boy from the walking dead um the asian cat from walking dead he he's like a former child star and he has a ranch like like a um amusement park type ranch uh just a few miles away and so um daniel kalu has been selling horses to him and shit like that and so y'all seen the previews and everything so the whole plot of the movie is uh he's trying to get those horses back you know he wants to start buying them back and but there's something up in the sky that's like stealing the horses right so it's like it's a saucer it looks like a ufo and basically what steven yoon's been doing is buying those horses and like feeding them to that spaceship to the alien thing so it turns out that the alien it, so the spaceship is actually a like an animal it's an alien that lives in a cloud and it unfolds and it folded out it looks like a huge like jellyfish or something like that like my wife's biggest gripe with the movie was that the uh, monster it wasn't scary looking like and it didn't it looked like uh like a huge like jellyfish type thing like when it unfolded and it was real like thin and it looked kind of like a hot air balloon material and shit like that like i, I felt like the cgi department kind of dropped the ball on this like they could have made it look a little bit more menacing or whatever so anyways but in one of it like it can transform it can unfold and shit like that but when it's tight and it's round it looks like a, a flying saucer right so steven yoon been feeding those feeding that it's it's it eats so if you look at it it'll eat you and so daniel kalua figured that out 
and then so they're figuring that out trying how to break it right so um this is all towards the end but yeah once they figure out that you know steve yoon is like feeding the um the horses to this uh, alien creature thing he he goes back to get it daniel kalula he goes to get his horses because he figures it out and then they show how he does it how uh steven yoon he puts on like a show like it is like rodeo amusement park thing and what's funny is so the whole movie is like about the spectacle about watching shit like watching tragic events and shit like that and not doing nothing and how black folks um don't fuck with certain things like if black folks were in a horror movie so that's why it's called nope right <coughs> and it's a and it's an acronym for not of planet earth but you know double entendre type thing there's so many instances where you know in movies where white folks be like i'm gonna go check this out but kiki palmer and daniel kalua are like nope and they just don't fuck with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, nope, I'm not fucking with that. Nope. And and it's literally like like when you watching like Friday the 13th or Halloween and shit like that, you're like, nah, nope. Nope. Why are you going in there? Nope. And it's them making smart decisions. Like it's not them doing anything fucking stupid in the movie, right? So anyways, um so they show the scene where Steven Yoon is uh you know uh, feeding trying to feed a horse but and it always comes at a certain time so he made like a show out of it and everybody in the audience is white like it ain't no black folks in the audience because black folks ain't fucking with no alien shit like that right so what happens is the alien actually comes early and it just starts like eating all those people so it makes like a whirlwind and it sucks them all up and shit like that um and and it eats them and it devours them and it shows how it digests them and shit like that but th- my problem with that whole scene was when it was sucking the people up the shit looked like they was in a, a bounce house or some shit like it looked super cheap and they're like screaming like ah, ah, and they got blood all on them and shit like that but like them niggas was like inside a bouncy house or some shit and like the fan was blowing super hard so I'm like nigga what was your budget my G <laughs> you know but like it was a smart thriller but I agree with my wife. I'm just like, the monster was not terrifying at all. No shit like that. But there's so many subliminals in there. Uh, like, there's the at the beginning, OJ, that's the name of Daniel Kalua's character, uh, Otis Jr., so they call him OJ. And uh, and he's shooting a, a, a scene with the horse and uh, with an older white actress. And he's like, my name's OJ. And the white woman just gets startled. She's like, OJ? <laughs> he's like, yes Otis Jr so that's like a nod to OJ Simpson and you know the spectacle of us watching OJ you know run on run away in that uh, Bronco and shit like that and the whole thing how he beat the case and shit like that and how white folks will never accept OJ beating that case so that was that was kind of smart and then how the movie starts off is terrifying because Steven Yeun used to be a child actor and so so he used to star on this show with like a monkey and it was about a space shuttle program or some shit and uh like where the father was in a space he was like a rocket scientist or some shit and this was about the um the space shuttle that took off and exploded down in florida but the monkey like heard balloons pop they were filming an episode and the monkey is just like going crazy and he's like beating the hell out of co-stars and like he killed a couple and shit like that and steven you witnessed all that shit 
so once you and then so that's how the the movie opens with that scene of that monkey like killing somebody and the sounds are just oh it's disgusting like they don't show it but they show it if you know what i mean and so that the so that how that played into the movie is um the whole um i think it was the challenger that exploded but how the spectacle of that and then um one of his co-stars came to the show and she had her half her face ripped off and that was the spectacle of speaking about that one lady who was on oprah who um who was raising a chimpanzee and that elmo doll like flip like make that chimpanzee flip out and it killed her homegirl and it ripped half her face off and she had like that veil on on oprah because her shit was all fucked up and that's how the lady looked from that steven yoon 80 90 sitcom or whatever and so when he so during the whole scene when that monkey is killing folks they they the movie is broken down into scenes like the names of the horses and then the name of the monkey is gordy and so so they show that gordy scene and they used to do a fist bump so after this monkey gets done killing and maiming the co-stars he finds steven yoon uh as a child he's he's a child actor so he's up under the table you know hyperventilating scared as shit and the monkey comes up to him and you know he's like breathing hard and shit like that kind of winded and he reaches in to give steven yoon a fist bump and as soon as he does that steven yoon's about to give him a fist bump back the cops come in and blow the monkey's brains out so steven yoon is thinking okay you know i survived that you know i can tame this you know this creature from out of space and shit like that or this this extraterrestrial being and shit and it's like no nigga it's still something that you don't understand so and now i think that kind of played in the spectacle of um like siegfried and roy and shit like that thinking you can tame a wild beast or some shit like that but yeah and then the ending was cool um you know kiki palmer she just wanted to catch it on film um you know to get her big break because she was trying to be an actress and shit like that and then you know um oj daniel kalua uh, he bought into it because it could save the farm and shit like that so that's what they try to do is catch it on film during the end of the movie and shit like that and uh yeah it's it's a really it's you know people i think people were expecting something i don't know a little bit different or some shit but you can go on reddit you can go on twitter and uh there's all kind of like dissertations about the movie and shit like that but it's a fun thriller it's fun to see kiki palmer and daniel kalua be in those tense situations it's like nope because you you would do the same thing a logical person would be like nope i ain't fucking with that nope nope so yeah definitely um go see it i gave you way huge spoilers but it's fucking good it's good and i love the t-shirts that kiki palmer wears in there uh so many dope t-shirts um like jesus lizard and you know the uh, scorpion king hoodie that daniel kalua rocks is fucking fire but definitely go see it like i said it's a fun thriller it's a fun movie i think people you know get i mean he's 
cursed jordan peele is cursed because he gave us get out which was so amazing and um then he followed it up with us which was amazing and gave us you know tethers you know um and how black folks are using that now to shit on <laughs> you know coons in the dispore uh you know our african brothers and sisters but you know it is what it is but uh yeah definitely go check it out like i said it's a fun thriller and he set the bar so high with that first movie that people were just like oh shit this is it but you know more dissertations that come out and i feel like in the weeks to come jordan peele will start you know telling us some shit that we might have missed so yeah definitely check it out but i'm leaving to my nigga hove we creeping up on 40 minutes so my nigga hove what you got to say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks all right thank you so much tyrone biggums for that lovely intro of selling hope like damn dope uh earlier this month um did y'all see this story about um timothy loman um so timothy loman got hired as a police officer in a small town in tioga pennsylvania and so and timothy loman Lowman, that's the same guy that's the same cop that killed tamir rice okay so he got hired and then two days later he uh he put in his resignation due to backlash um from residents and the mayor so <clears throat> he, re- he withdrew his application after he got sworn in um and the mayor of that town of tioga he actually called for uh, three of the council men- members, city not city council, but borough council members to resign over their roles in the hiring. So uh, the newspaper and other local media in the town was told that the hiring officer was named Timothy Lockman. OK, so they they were trying to hide his name. So council president. Excuse me. Sorry, I didn't mean to burp in your ear. Council President Steve Hazel Hazlitt, he said on Facebook um, that the officer hired to represent the borough of 700 people was actually Lowman, and he was fired from the Cleveland Police Department uh, for lying on his job application. But, you know, he didn't face any criminal charges connected to uh, Tamir Rice's death. And so basically what was kind of odd is how they were how the media the local media and the people were told it was a guy named timothy lockman you know but um let's see here uh they were talking about um that it's a huge mistake um and then they talked to uh samira rice uh tamir's uh mama rest in peace to that boy and she was saying that he shouldn't be a police officer anywhere in the united states and she said i'm actually shocked anybody would give him a job knowing what he has done to our family you know so uh and then the attorney for the rice's family said that the borough officials you know must be held accountable for their demonstrably atrociously poor judgment and ineptitude but the mayor said he was not aware not made aware of loman's background when the members of the borough council found the police officer and agreed to hire him you know and so um and that's the mayor, David Wilcox. And he said, I was under the impression there was a thorough background check into him and he, they, that he didn't have any issues. I found it strange that someone would move here all the way from Cleveland, Ohio for an eight for eighteen dollars an hour. 
but I heard that he wanted to get away from it all and come here to hunt and fish. So he thought he was going somewhere quiet, you know, <clears throat> in the cut, and he could be a little police officer in a little town and some shit, you know, and try to get away from uh, that evil act that he did. But shout out to that mayor and the townspeople for uh, running his ass up out of there for after two days. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, them white supremacists, they don't get uh, fired, they just get you know, um, they might get a little slap on the wrist and they get transferred. They don't get fired. They get transferred. So that's just some shit. And I just found it so fishy that they would, you know, miss. Uh, they lied about his last name. You know, they were telling the public his name was Timothy Lockman and not Lowman. So when nobody, you know, do that thorough ass background check. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. But speaking of dope and selling hope like dope. Uh, what's going on with this weed out here? Um, I sent a TikTok to my homeboy, to my brother from another Ike, and we were laughing about it. And it was a just a silly TikTok about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you short, uh, you know, three, four dollars, you know, on trying to buy you a little three and a half or some shit like that. And, and you know, you try to let see if the uh, <coughs> excuse me, see if your dealer gonna let you slide. And uh, you know, and the TikTok said like when the dealer treat every customer the same and he was like well you are kind of cute and the dude like hurry up and hung up the phone and uh i was saying i was like so some of these some of these little niggas out here sell their body you know for a loud pack out here because what i'm seeing online is very very odd very odd like you seeing these little niggas out here you know doing the wake and bake these little niggas out here you know they act like they cannot function while being sober with a clear mind and that's very 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 disturbing and these are some little young niggas little 20 somethings you know early 20 somethings and you just see this activity online and it just makes you worry about what's gonna happen when they be they're already grown men but what happens when they become grown ass men you know it's just and with this weed that's out here now that ain't the weed that I was fucking with back in the day. This ain't that same weed. There's so many chemicals, so many um, different ways that it's grown. It's like, <clears throat> honestly, I trust the weed from a nigga's nutsack from 2005 over some, over some of this new age white man shit. It's like the white man jumped into the weed game and all of a sudden... It's, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know what? Well, you know, they always looking for, you know, raise the profit margin and to make some shit, uh, you know, pop off and, you know, become more commercialized. Oh, people can get more high if we added a little bit of donkey piss in here. You know, if we actually soaked it in a skunk's taint, they could actually get 40% higher without us, you know, actually increasing you know these uh natural seeds you know so if we did that and then we actually could break down this shake that we have and you know we could actually repackage that into uh, a sort of uh, gmo nugget you see what i'm saying and then we will put that in the squirrel's ass and let it ferment for about six seven days and you know what the thc levels will be about the same as if you know we sprouted a new plant and you know it's just weird shit like that like some of this shit like when niggas started dabbing and shit that shit looked like niggas was smoking crack you know what i'm saying just smoking that oil 
this shit is weird out here that's just a random thought that hit me though but yeah i trust weed from a nigga nutsack over you know this new age packaged up shit and it, you know this weed coming out of fucking stores that look like a fucking apple store or some shit like that or look like you done walked into like a best buy weed shop or some shit fuck out of here but let me stop ranting that's been selling hope like dope this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so i was going through different things to try to figure out because we it's been so long since i've done an episode of holding this l so I was looking at different situations like do we do the the Choco Taco, which nobody fucked with, only 90s babies and 80s babies mamas uh, dealt with that. So like our mamas, you know, fucked with the Choco Taco, you know, from the Bomb Pop Man, Ice Cream Man, Ding Ding Man, whatever you said. I don't know nobody whose parents had a box of expensive ass choco tacos sitting in their freezer everybody just you know people's mamas and daddies was just like going out to get me a choco taco or something like that while you got some fire ass you know tweety bird or you know um spongebob wasn't popping that back then so you got that either the tweety bird one um or the ninja turtles um you know that that sherbet uh kind of ice cream character thing or you got the flintstones push pop off the bomb pop truck so wonder nobody fucking with that choco taco no wonder i, I mean they should have retired it sooner but then i was like do i do the will smith apology which then came you know what three four months later you know what i'm saying uh five months later you know i was like nah then i was like what about the cops that you know been charged federally for the death of brianna taylor finally and then I was like, what about this uh, whole Joe Biden? Um, uh, what's, what's this? In, this was this uh, block inflation plan, Inflation Reduction Act, um, basically setting a 15 percent minimum corporate tax rate. So um, then I because I was like holding this L because he gave up two big things from that uh, that that cares act or whatever he wanted to do initially and it was like universal child care for every american which would have been huge for his presidential legacy and then also there was tax cuts in there for the middle work and working class folks i'm just like bruh like and he was catching hell from democrats about this shit too not just across the aisle because remember we ain't up on midterms yet so the dems are still running things up on capitol hill and so there was other shit in there but them two those were the two main things that got pulled out that uh made this bill pass so the only positive thing about this uh, bill coming into law is that uh this whole uh built tens of billions of dollars uh in renewable energy is being invested so that's just going to mean there's going to be a lot of great jobs like manufacturing jobs and uh clean energy jobs uh for for americans that's that's what that is so y'all better get up on that and just keep y'all eye out because there's going to be a lot of you know new businesses popping up you know making solar panels making uh you know uh, wind farms um uh let's see what else renewable energies um like water plants dams things of that sort so all kind of green so-called green energy so there's going to be a lot of good ass jobs start popping up in the next uh couple of years 
So then I was like, maybe they should hold an L on that because that's fucked up that, you know, the universal child care, you know how huge that would be and how much money that would put into people's pockets who got kids. Like it would be put a lot of fucking money back into people's pockets. I know it would put a lot in ours, too, because with uh, our child care is about to go up, is about to double because we got Nina in the early childhood learning center. And so we're going to put Frankie in there, too. Francis in there. And so, yeah, that's going to easily, what is that? Uh, that'll easily be a little bit over, what, 1700 bucks a month. So it's like, yay. You know what I'm saying? Thank God we both working and we have decent jobs. But, I mean, universal health care, like, like, on our end, that's life-changing, having an extra 1700 bucks a month. Like, you know how nice that would be? But um, anyways, so I, I couldn't decide who should hold this L. Then I remembered the first weekend in august and so i'm gonna have to hold that l so that weekend the first weekend of august was like the fifth and the sixth and uh, i just i'm just gonna have to hold this l because uh nina had three strikes and they're all were against me right so the first strike um i forgot where we were going um, but I, everywhere, every time we leave, I put on a nice fresh pair of kicks. That's my thing. I'm into sneakers. I love sneakers. Um, let me see, make sure this is working because my MacBook been acting a little strange. But anyways, oh yeah, we're still recording. Cool. So I'm always throwing on a nice fresh pair of kicks uh, when I step out. And so Mina is starting to get into these YouTube characters and shit like that. And so she's into this one where this white man be wearing a, a blue shirt and like, orange suspenders named blippy but she can't say it she can't say blippy she calls him blipply you know it's too many so many l's she adds an extra l so she calls him blipply so i had on these pair of um don issue two adidas so the donovan mitchell adidas um that i won off an instagram contest from body armor so shout out to body armor and i got like a mini fridge and stuff like that and so these are custom don issue twos like body armor shoes so it's only like so many pairs have been made so i didn't think instagram contest worked but lo and behold it worked so i got them i think a couple years ago during the pandemic and they you know they sent but it sent it via fedex this huge huge um uh box and it came with a mini fridge and stuff like that and uh, I'll, I'll put the sneakers up on my uh, on the Durags and Bow Shoes Instagram page. And uh, it came with a mini fridge and stuff like that. It came with a you know a bunch of stickers and some T-shirts and stuff. A really cool prize. And so I was like, all right, I'll wear these. And so uh, Blippy wears some wears some. Uh, this nigga wears some K Swiss. Like this nigga has on a pair of like turquoise and orange K Swiss. So these Adidas that I have on, I'm thinking I'm fresh as hell. And they're like lime green, white, and like red. Um, let me look at them. Yeah, and they got some red in them. And it's all like custom painted and stuff, like a body armor bottle. And um, and so my so this is the first track. Nina's like, she's like, she's like, Daddy, you got on blipply shoes. I'm like, like this this youtube motherfucker wishes he was fresh fresh like this like you telling me a nigga in k-swiss is competing with your father like that was strike one just a slap in the face right just a slap in the face so that's my first l second l 
we um, go out to um, a trampoline park for my godson's uh, birthday, Urban Air Adventure Park, way out, way out in Millard, uh, way out there, like on 156th and Q. And so, you know, Nina's two and she's, she's, you know, she's great, very mature for her age, not mature, but uh, socially she knows like etiquette she can hold conversations with adults kids older than her kids younger than her very great linguistically right so we go to this urban air and you know you have to wear the socks with the grippies on them so you know we get there it's all good and stuff and uh you know for my godson's birthday and stuff so we having a blast having a good time we you know hit jumping on the trampolines and stuff like that and they say the weight limit is 250 you know i'm just like shit i'm about to get on these anyway though you know <laughs> i'm a large man but um so you know we jumping on the trampolines then there's like a like a um like a like uh, like slides and stuff and like a jungle gym and all kind of crazy stuff and then there's a ball pit like this like american ninja warrior type but she's too small for that so she throws a fit about going in there i'm like well you too small and they got people watching so we can't really sneak in there and you know do that and she wanted to follow you know her play cousin her god brother you know in there and stuff and the, uh, the other older kids who were at the birthday party and so anyway so but i get her away from that and we just playing on the um, on the slides and the jungle gym and stuff like that. And, you know, we do the cake and the pizza and the gifts and stuff. And then Nina's like, uh, Nini's like, you know, can we go out again? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. But this is the last time you said one more time. So this is the last time. And she's like, OK, so we go out there playing and it's so my brother ike he has the you know he was on the show so he has the um he, you know he rented out the space and paid for everybody uh it's for two hours that's how long you can have the birthday party right so it's about you know hour 50 minutes you know hour 45 minutes everybody's wrapping up nina don't want to go so i'm like she ain't had a nap or nothing so i'm like all right we're gonna have to go so there's a table like right at this jungle gym area the play area that has all the slides and stuff where you enter in and there's parents you know they just standing there watching and nina's you know she's only two so i'm actually doing the stuff with her and climbing up through it and everything like that getting my you know american ninja on so anyway i'm carrying her out and she's just throwing a huge huge fit and uh you know we don't believe in spanking or anything like that and so i'm just like all right she's just gonna throw a huge fit whatever so as soon as we leave in front of all these parents and i'm holding her and she's face to face with me this little girl and i'm bald-headed this little girl takes both her hands slaps the shit out of the top of my head and takes her fingers and rakes down like tries to claw my head off and i just wanted to drop this little girl and roundhouse kick her right in her chest across the whole the 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 whole you know urban air part then come and grab her and then fling her across the room because i've never in my life just felt so disrespected in front of all these other parents and stuff and i'm just like are you fucking serious this little girl took both her hands with all her might and slap she ain't never done no shit like this and slapped the top of my head took her little claws 
and tried to scratch down into my forehead and my eyes and I just had to grab her little wrist and I almost flung her because that's just a natural reaction when you've been hit that hard and you're that shocked I'm like child or not like you about to catch these hands these feet these elbows you about to get head butted and so I'm just like we gotta go so that was strike two right so long drive home super long drive this is all in the same day i get disrespected called by blippy yeah this is all the same day so i get disrespected about the blippy shoes then i get slapped in the head and scratched embarrassed in front of the parents and then she's sleeping on the way home it's bath night and so it's like all right she slept all the way home it's a pretty long drive for omaha it's long you know 20 25 minutes and so get home get her in the tub and i put all of her toys in there got the bubbles nice and going and i'm like do you have to potty and she's like no i'm good i'm like okay so i go to her room while she's in the tub playing and stuff i don't even get a chance to wash her hair or nothing so i go lay out her pajamas and i change the sheets on her little bed because she's had a bath you know the clean sheets and everything and i'm getting everything ready and as soon as i step in the bathroom is a this little girl shits in the tub like just two huge turds just fly up and when she's when she's on the potty and she's finished she'll be like all done you know so we can wipe and wash her hands after she drops these huge turds in the toilet she says all done and thinks that she's gonna sit in this shit soup and continue playing with her toys and the baby shark so i have to get her out i holler down for my wife and she's downstairs dealing with frankie and i'm like yo just take her and and so i drain all the water out I don't have any of my mechanics gloves, you know, the black plastic, the black elastic gloves. I'm all out. And so, because we use it for everything, you know, seasoning meat, cleaning the bathrooms and stuff like that. So we always have those gorilla gloves on hand. We ain't got none. So I'm like, I got a shit soup souffle in my bathtub with all these toys. Drain it out. I take some plastic bags and I'm catching turds as the water is draining. I'm trying to catch these two big ass turds, right? And I don't know if you ever had a Walmart bag on your hand and you're digging in hot water with warm water trying to find a turd because there's all these bubbles because like I just ran the bubble bath and so I'm in here playing catch a turd and I just I've never felt so low in my life I'm like I got a Walmart bag on my hand and I am trying to catch a turd like nigga this is your life like here you are late 30s on a Saturday night catching a turd in the toilet I mean not in the tub and I'm just like this little girl's lucky she's my daughter because <laughs> i really want to square up with her father right now and shoot the fair one <laughs> and so i get the turds you know two separate bags take them outside so now I, now the tub is empty but it has all these toys in it is drained 
and I'm like, I gotta sanitize all these. So I, I get these. I have these Home Depot buckets. I, I know if you're a homeowner, you have Home Depot buckets all over your crib or those Lowe's buckets. I don't know why, but they're so handy. They, and they're only like, you know, four bucks for those five gallon buckets. And I use them for everything mixing up pool chemicals, uh, sanitizing shitty toys, just everything, mixing paint. Uh, mixing epoxy, mixing concrete, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I put, uh, you know, uh, salt, you know, for the uh, winter time in there, you know, rock salt in there. And then I have a little cup and I, you know, shake it around my driveway and sidewalks and walkways. So they're very handy. So I grab one of my Home Depot buckets. I put all the toys in there and I have this great sanitizer um called inside is i-n-c-i-d-e and they carry it at home improvement stores and it's hospital grade uh cleaner and they use it for in hospitals and they use it in um in like cafeterias and shit like that and service workers use them so it's and it's pretty it's it's about seven eight bucks for you know like a lysol spray bottle you know thing and it you know got all these and it's you know it's a great sanitizer it smells great and uh, so I spray all them toys down, put them in hot water and just leave them soaking. And then the next day I take them out and, you know, wipe them down with Clorox wipes. And then I rinse them off again and dry them off. But, yeah, that was a that was a tough weekend, guys. That was a tough weekend. I just, you know, I got insulted. My shoes got insulted. So my pride was hurt. I got slapped in the top of the head. So my pride was hurt and I was physically hurt. And then I had to fish out turds at the end of the night out of a tub with a Walmart plastic bag over my hand. And that that was just soul crushing. That hurt my soul. And I mean, I know Beyonce dropped her, you know, album and talking about you won't break my soul. That weekend broke my soul, my spirit, my heart. Uh, it shattered me. So I got to hold this L. Get your man. You win. Perfect. All right, so moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes, we have to give it to a couple of legends that we lost in these past few weeks. Uh, the first one is Nichelle Nichols, and that was the sister who was on Star Trek, and then she also was working with NASA after uh, Star Trek, uh, volunteered her time um, to recruit minority and female personnel for the space agency. And um, she had an affiliation between NASA and the company she helped run, which was called Women in Motion. And um, so she recruited like Dr. Sally Ride, who was the first uh, female astronaut. Um, let's see here. Colonel uh, Blueford, the first African-American astronaut, as well as Judith uh, Resnick, Dr. Judith Resnick and uh, Dr. Uh, Ronald McNair. So, um, you know, not only Star, Star Trek, but she was out here doing work with NASA. And um, yeah, so shout out to her. May she rest in peace, rest in power. And then also we have to give it to Bill Russell. Bill Russell passed away and that man was catching hell playing for those Boston Celtics, but he always stood on his square, stayed 10 toes down no matter what. And, uh, you know, he represented the culture well, you know, uh, what is it, 11 time NBA champion, uh, player coach. Uh, he just he did everything for them Celtics and uh, he represented the NBA well, always gave good game to the generations after him. Um, so he was a true pioneer of the game. 
All right. So rest in peace to both of them and rest in power and uh, may their influence influence us. All right. So moving on to health over wealth. You know what I say? Without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So I've been uh, doing like audio books at work and shit like that. And uh, I was doing this audio book about healing your inner child and it has like all these exercises and shit like that but they said something uh quite amazing the uh psychologist who wrote the book uh the doctor who wrote it he said something quite amazing i wanted to share it share with y'all and he said as an adult be the person you need it as a child and i just thought that was just so heavy uh, especially for those of us with children out here or we have little ones in our families you know like nieces nephews little cousins you know kids who look up to us um just try to be that adult that you needed you know as a child and then he also was saying you know as a parent you know you should teach your children to not protect you the parent you know from their emotions so they need to develop their emotions and you know recognize how to um feel their emotions you know correctly and and this is for like when children starts getting older you know especially as like uh pre-teens and stuff like that and they start kind of you know filling out the parents and you know if you're a very dramatic parent you always got some bullshit going on and they kind of hide into their turtle shell even though they might be going through some shit and they need to talk to but it's like well i don't want to be a burden on dad or i don't want to be a you know a pain in the ass to mom because mom and dad fighting and they blah 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 and all this other shit so just kind of teach your kids to you not protect you the parent because you are the parent from their emotions help them to process their emotions in a healthy way you know so they don't turn into drugs turn into eating uh, or you know starving themselves or cutting and shit like that or you know bad sexual behaviors and shit like that doing something strange for a piece of change getting turned out and you know hanging with the wrong people and shit like that because they're not their cup isn't getting filled at home so i thought that was really heavy and a great piece of advice and one exercise that they had in this book was to uh write like a two-way letter so go back into your trauma as a child because you know what they say when you suffered a very traumatic event from you know from your childhood and teenhood even up to your early 20s um you know a lot of people mentally and emotionally would be stuck at that age so you know how some people are you know you know some grown-ass teenagers out here you know or how some people just blow up at the the most smallest inconvenience and shit like that and you know or some people just go into their shell or their bubble and don't want to be bothered for days at a time you know that's something that they learned as a child or as a teenager you know on how to deal with stress or big emotions and shit like that so it wants you to write a letter as your teenage self or your child self um to your adult self about the situation that you faced and then you know respond back to it as you know as yourself to your former self you know to your inner child you know with that incident when that incident happened to you you know write it out 
and just let your pen flow. So I thought that was real heavy and that's a great exercise to, you know, get exercise them demons up out you and, you know, and to not blame your parents, even if they did do something to you, because that's a heavy burden to, you know, to keep on you if you want to blame your parents because they did the best that they knew how to at the time with the tools that they had and you know your grandparents might have you know did some you know some fucked up things to your your mama or your daddy and you know that trickled down to you and it's up to you to break that cycle but the way to do it is to you know love yourself and to forgive yourself and to know that it wasn't your fault you know when shit when something would have happened to you something that did happen to you that really just kind of you know keep you stuck in that moment in time when you're triggered by something you know like if your partner lets you down then it brings up like oh shit you know my daddy left me down so many times or you catch somebody in a lie you're like oh shit my mama used to lie to me all the time and shit like that you know and it starts triggering these emotions and it sends you right back to you know that reaction that you had as a child because you've been using that as a coping mechanism to deal with that pain but you haven't let that pain go so i just thought that was a great um a great exercise to write to go deep inside yourself and go back to that age where you felt that pain and that traumatic event and write it to you and then you going back and being you know that adult that you needed as a child and you know writing a response and you know hugging yourself you know metaphorically and loving yourself and forgiving yourself so i just thought that was great just thought that was great and uh, let me get y'all the name of the book though too so y'all can read it or listen to it on audible uh let me pull it up real quick so y'all bear with me let me find my damn phone um let's see here let me go to my library it is called healing your lost inner child and it's by robert jackman j-a-c-k-m-a-n so healing your lost inner child by robert jackman and has a bunch of great exercises in there uh, how to identify and then it breaks down your coping mechanisms and uh yeah it's not gonna you know it's not therapy but it gives you the tools to get through this thing we call life and get through it in a healthy way you know and to love yourself and to feel whole again all right so i'm sorry for the wait but shit we right back at it like i left something you know i love y'all and uh yeah i've been talking with y'all for a minute um it is what it is but uh yeah y'all get another episode soon um i'm just working 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 and being a daddy and i appreciate y'all being patient with me uh on these episodes of do rags and boat shoes and as always 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 again nothing but love to y'all and a whole bunch of respect to y'all for you know just being patient with me all right peace